Today we are talking about decisions. And whenever I think about some of the biggest decisions that I've ever made in my life, uh, probably one of the biggest decisions I ever made in my life was uh, marrying Emily. Uh, another big decision that I made was whenever I decided to go into ministry. And then after that, another big decision I made was deciding to quit my modeling career in order to become the pastor of Village Church. Well, maybe that didn't happen. But, but all of us in here, we are all used to making decisions. And I'm sure that just about everybody in here has made a big decision before. But we all know that as with any decision that you make, that there just simply comes a time, you know, in certain areas where you just got to make a decision. I mean, you have to decide that this is what I'm going to do and you can't tread water any longer. There comes a time when you have to make a choice. And we see an example of this in the Old Testament when Joshua led the Hebrew people into the promised land. And as he's getting ready to die, he wants to make sure the people make a decision about what they're going to do with God. It's like you got to choose. You can't ride the fence anymore. Make a choice. And so Joshua told the people in Joshua 24, uh, verses 14 through 15, he said, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And then he says this, If it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were living, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Very simply put, he said, there comes a time when you have to choose. And that is how Jesus is going to end up the Sermon on the Mount. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, we've seen a lot of interesting things. A lot of directives that Jesus gives us. It is the constitution of the Christian faith. And as you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uh, implores, directs, commands his followers. He says, you are the salt and the light in this world. Jesus tells us that as believers, we are called to love our enemies. He calls for us to live above and beyond the law. And he goes through all of these different directives for our lives as believers. But then he ends up the Sermon on the Mount by saying, but now it's time for you to choose. It's time for you to make a decision. Are you going to follow me or are you not going to follow me? Because you see, every decision that you make, especially this one, it's going to impact your life and my life for an eternity. Decision time is very important because it makes a difference. And that's what we're going to see in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 13. And this is the last section of, of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And what I'd like for you to do is try to envision what it was like to have been there. Now, the Sea of Galilee, it's sort of a grandiose, grandiose name for a lake. I mean, the, the Galilee is just simply a lake. And so Jesus is standing right along the shoreline. And he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount. And there are thousands of people that have gathered around him. Now, the question is, well, why are they there? And, and my guess is, being a little bit cynical at times, trying to put myself in, in their situation, I'm sure there's a lot of those people that were there thinking, maybe Jesus is going to do one of those really cool magic shows today. You know, where he heals people. Or maybe he's going to do something that's even more fun, like he's going to take some, a piece of bread and turn it into a meal for thousands of people. I'm sure there were a lot of people who were there in order to see the show. But Jesus didn't give them a show as he goes through the Sermon on the Mount. 
Jesus gave them directives. He gave them commands about what it means to live a life for Jesus. And then Jesus says it's time to make a decision because the decisions you make about Jesus are going to impact your life. And so what I want us to see is how those decisions impact us. And the very first decision, or the very first way that your decision about Jesus impacts your life is it's going to impact your destination. When you make a decision about what you're going to do with Jesus, that it will impact your destination. Now look with me in verse number 13. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. All right, now, Jesus gives a path that we're to travel. He tells us that there's only two destinations that we're going to have in life. Now, as you look in verses 13 through 15, let me ask you a question that that I want you to answer. When it comes to our final destination, how many choices do we have? Y'all get to respond here. Okay, thank you, Debbie. Debbie's back there going. I was like, does that mean peace? Or you got two minutes to finish this thing up? Yeah, it's, it's two. Two choices. Now, what are the choices? Heaven or hell? That's it. There's only two choices. Those are the only destinations. That's why Jesus says, whenever you make a decision about me, it's going to impact your destination. And your destination, and you only got two choices. Only two choices. Now, think about it like this. This summer, most of us are probably going to go somewhere for vacation. Uh, our family this year, uh, we're going for the, I think it's like the 15th consecutive year, we're going down to the beach with Emily's parents and brothers and their families. We're going down right near Polly's Island. Now, when we go to Polly's Island, because that's our destination, it impacts what road we're going to travel. Now, the way that we go... Um, I, I, there are other roads that I like better. You know, there's other places, there's other, you know, there's other roads that, that are, you know, a little bit wider, a little bit nicer than the way that we go whenever we go down towards Polly's Island. But because I'm going to Polly's Island, it, it determines which road I'm going to travel on. And, and the same thing is true whenever it comes to Jesus. Jesus says, if, if there's only two destinations... It's going to impact what road you travel on. If you want to travel on the road that leads to life, that leads to heaven, Jesus says in our text today, he said that road, he said it is narrow. It's a narrow road. He said, now if you want to go on the road that leads to hell or destruction, and I'm thinking, who wants to go there? Jesus said that road is wide. So that road is broad. Now, if I think about which, which kind of road would I rather drive on, would I rather drive on a very narrow road, a two-lane road, or on a big highway? I can tell you right now, I'd rather drive on the highway. It's got more room. You know, whenever people get in my way, it's easier for me to get around them, right? Now, it's just a lot easier to travel on a road like that. Now, the only problem, though, is the destination that comes with the road. You know, that's a great road to drive on, but you know, at the end of it, there's a cliff, and you go over and die. Okay, I'm not interested in that kind of a road. So Jesus says you can ride on that road, or you can ride on the narrow road. The word narrow that's used in our text, it means 
to groan as one under pressure. Jesus said the road to life is a road that is tight. It is a road that is strict. It's a road that, that kind of can be, feel like it's closing in on you. Jesus said in Luke 9.23, he said, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Why would I want to be on the narrow road? It's tight. It's difficult. But here's why. It's because it is a road that leads to life and leads to victory. And a lot of times as we look at, as we look at following Jesus, or some people say, man, that's not any fun. You know, it's a tight road. I'd rather have my own freedom. But you know what? I mean, that, this, is, this idea is true in every area of life. I mean, think about, think about it concerning, like, health issues. If you're a person who wants to be in shape and you decide that you're going to be in shape, that's a narrow road. I mean, it's, what, what does it require? If, you, if you're going to be a person who is, you know, healthy and strong and all of those things, then it requires you living a rather narrow life. Like walking by the donut table at church. I'm going to be narrow. I'm not going to partake of seven donuts before I come in here. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's narrow. It means that I'm going to, every day, I'm going to choose every day that I'm going to sacrifice some of my time in order to exercise. I mean, who wants to do that? And, and it causes your body sometimes to be sore. It makes you tired. But are there benefits that come with it? Absolutely. You know, there, there are some people that I look at and I think, man, I wish I looked more like that person. And then I think about all the stuff you have to give up in order to do it. Thinking, I don't know if I really want to do it that badly. So whenever it comes to our spiritual life, it, it shouldn't be too surprising to us whenever we find out that if you follow Jesus, it means that you travel down a narrow way. There are some people who say, well, I won't, I won't be a Christian because you get, it's too narrow. And yet I see those same people going out and they're working out in order to get their bodies in shape. And I'm like, well, that's a narrow way that you've chosen there. But it doesn't do anything for you concerning your eternal destination. Now, guys, a question for us to ask in life is not, what, what kind of road is that? The question we ought to be asking is, where does that road lead? And so Jesus says, when you make a decision for me, it impacts your life. It's going to impact your destination, but it's also going to impact your production. Whatever road you choose to be on, it's going to impact what you produce in your life. In verse number 15, Jesus said, Beware of false, false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves, and you'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad, a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and it's thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by the fruit they produce. And not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name? And then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Now, the previous verses let us know that if we choose to follow Jesus, then that means that we are going to travel down a narrow road. And what does that mean? It means that there is only one way to heaven. That is one way that the road is narrow. There's only one way 
to come into contact with God the Father and to experience heaven. And that is only through Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus says something very interesting here in verse number 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you take time to think about that, like I have, that concerns me a little bit. So not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom. I'm thinking, oh my gosh. Then, then how can I know that I'm, that I'm going there? You know, how can I know that I'm on the right path? Now, here's the good news. We, we can know. Jesus, Jesus says the way that you can know if you are really truly following after God is by what you produce in your life. Now, the path that you choose to follow in life is going to impact what you produce. And that's why in verse number 16, Jesus says, if you want to know if somebody's following me or not, he says, you will recognize them by their fruit, by what they produce in their lives. Here's a really simple example. If you see, if you see a tree that has figs hanging off of it, what kind of tree is it? It's a lemon tree. No, it's a fig tree, right? If, if you see a, a, a grapevine and there's grapes hanging off of it, we automatically know what, what kind of a vine that is. It's a grapevine, right? So it's just real simple. Jesus says you just look at what's being produced, and what's being produced gives evidence of what family that tree is a part of. And the same thing is true with us in our walk with God. You want to know who you belong to? Then look into your life to see what it is that you produce. Now, Jesus mentions that there were people who were trying to trick them. So there were there are those who come to you in sheep's clothing. He said, but they're really wolves. And what he's referring to here is he was referring to many of the religious leaders who were not trying to get people to follow God. They were trying to get people to follow after them. And so what we're learning here is that it's important for us to look at what people produce so that we'll know who they really are. And I said, well, how do I know if something's from God? Let me tell you something. The only thing you have to do is just simply look into the Bible to see if what somebody's saying or what somebody's producing in their lives, if it matches up with what Scripture says. If it does not match up with what Scripture says, guys, let me tell you something. It's not from God. It's a, it's a simple test. I mean, that's why we're told in 1 John 4, 1. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, Jesus told us that we can know who people are by what kind of fruit they produce. Now, you might say, well, how do I produce good things? You know, how does that happen to me? Here's what happens. When you choose to follow Jesus, when you make that decision to follow him, Jesus will come into your life and he will change you. When you come into contact with God, he does a work in your heart and makes you a different person. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. says, The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. So when we follow Jesus, say, Lord, I'm going to take the narrow way, Jesus comes to live within us, and we attach ourselves to him like, a, you know, like we, are, we are a branch that is now attached to the vine. And Jesus mentions this in John 15, verses 4 through 6. He says, Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. And then Jesus said, I am the vine. He said, you're the branches. 
The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And if anyone doesn't remain in me, he's thrown aside like the branch and he withers. Now Jesus knows who's attached to him and who's not. And he knows that by what we produce. I read a story about a young guy in Kentucky who got in trouble with the law. And he ended up being sentenced to community service. And so the judge told him, so what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to paint the yellow line in our town. So he gave him a big guy, several gallons of yellow paint, gave him some roller brushes and said, start painting. That guy gets out there and puts the bucket down. He sticks a roller in the yellow paint. And he starts rolling along, painting that yellow line. First day, the sheriff watched him. He painted two miles of yellow line. He's like, that's pretty good. Next day, he went up there and he started painting. He only painted a, a mile of yellow line, which was a little bit less. But, you know, that's all right. But third day, only, he only painted a quarter mile. And so the sheriff called him in and said, what's, what's up with this? Why, 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 are you, why are you slacking off so much? And he said, well, because the more I paint, he said, the farther away that bucket gets. Now, guys, th- that idea is true with Jesus. When we get too far away from Jesus, we get less and less productive in what we do. That's why Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who remains in me will bear much fruit. Now, if you're, if you're wondering what kind of fruit should I be producing in my life to show that I really belong to God, Galatians 5, and 23 tells us. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, if we say that we are followers of Jesus and yet we're not seeing any evidence of these kind of fruits in our lives, then we need to reevaluate who we are connected to. Because when Jesus touches us, he transforms. So, so the decision to follow Jesus is going to impact your life, it's going to impact your destination, it's going to impact your production. And this is the last thing I want you to see it's going to impact your preparation. And we see this in verses 24 through 27. Jesus said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the rivers rose, and the, the winds blew and pounded the house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed, and its collapse was great. Now, when I read those verses, I read through them, and I thought, man, Jesus is really confident here concerning his own words. I mean, he's very confident. In verse 24, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and then acts on them, he said he's a sensible man. That word sensible, it means wise and intelligent. I, I, I've never said that. I've never said, hey, you know what? If you listen to everything I say and do what I say, then you are a wise and intelligent person. I mean, I'm not, there's no way I can say that. Jesus is able to say that. Jesus is able to say, if you, if you hear what I say and then you do it, you are intelligent. You want to be intelligent and wise? Then do what Jesus says. So it's very simple. Do what he says. Now, it's great to have knowledge, but knowledge doesn't mean anything until you put it into practice. Now, I look at that, and I think these two men, that says two men built their houses. One man built his house on the rock, the other one on the sand. Now, I guarantee you both of these men knew what was a better foundation. 
Now, we're not told why one of the guys ended up building his house on the sand. Now, I can make a couple of little guesses. Uh, one, he might have wanted to build his house on the sand because it is easier to dig through sand than it is through rock. Uh, for those, uh, we have uh, quite a few people in here who've been to Haiti before. Y'all remember that first time we went to Haiti and we dug foundations through rock with shovels? Wasn't that fantastic? I was like, man, I, I would have given anything to build their houses on sand, you know, uh, because it's easy. It's a lot easier. Uh, another reason why is maybe, maybe he wanted a beach view. That makes sense to me. Build my house on the sand. I got a beautiful, I get to look at the beautiful ocean. Now, but here's the problem with that. Eventually, the waves are going to come crashing in, right? And then whenever that happens, everything that you've built, everything that you've lived for is going to end up getting washed away. It's going to be gone. Now, we've already established that to be a follower of Jesus, it's going to, it's going to impact what you produce in life. And a part of what you produce in life is going to come about because you've prepared for it. Now, Jesus had given the people instruction, what was necessary to live a life of stability, to live a life of hope. He says, you build your life on me. He says, and there's the, the waves of life eventually are going to come at us. He said, but when they do, if you built your life on me, you're going to be able to hold firm. L listen to what we're told in Romans 8, 38 and 39. It says, for I'm persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, as we place our trust and our hope in Jesus, here's what we learn. We learn that Jesus is always true to his word. I know this from personal experience. I know that whenever I am connected to Jesus and I am following him, it impacts everything about me. And this is true. I, I am a kinder and more generous person when I'm connected with God. I, there's a greater likelihood that I'm going to be a jerk when I am not close and walking with God. That's just a fact. I mean, here's another thing that I've learned. I, I've learned that when I am close and connected to God, that I have hope. That even as the storms of life come my way, I have hope that there will be a day when Jesus is going to make all things right. That is the hope that I have. And there's something powerful knowing that you have hope. In, in 1992, Hurricane Andrew came through, came through Florida. Now, a lot of us remember that whenever it did. I mean, it just decimated thousands of homes. And so there's a reporter that was down in South Florida, and as she was going through, she was just looking at all the homes that were just in, in shambles and ruin. But there was one house in a neighborhood that was still standing. And she saw the owner. He was standing in the front yard. And so she drove over to him, and she had her camera crew with, him, with her, and she asked him a question. She said, how in the world is it that your house is still standing and everybody's house has fallen down? And he said, well, he said, I built this house myself, and I built it according to the code. He said, when they said for me to use two-by-six trusses, I used two-by-six trusses. They told me if I did that, that the house would stand during a hurricane. He said, I did it. And it stood. Now, guys, let me tell you something. If you desire stability in your life, you desire to live with confidence in life and not fear, follow Jesus. Choose Jesus. 
Because if you choose Jesus, uh, hey, let me tell you something, the rain's going to fall. The rivers are going to rise. The winds are going to blow. But you choose Jesus, you stand. You stand solid. You stand with hope because you've built your life on the rock. And it's always good for us to take time to weigh our options in life. Figure out, hey, how am I going to live? What road am I going to travel down? But guys, there comes a time when you have to choose. You have to make a decision. And Jesus, from Matthew 5 to 7, he lays out what it means to follow Jesus. And then as he gets to verse number, or to chapter 7 at the end, he says, that's time to choose. Who are you going to live for? You're going to live for me? You're going to live for yourself. You're going to live with confidence and hope. You're going to live with hope for a future, hope for forgiveness, hope for life, or not. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And my hope is that you'll say, like Joshua did, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, how do I do that? You call out to God, and you tell him, say, Lord, today, I will serve you. You call out to God and say, God, I am a sinner who is in need of your forgiveness. Jesus, I ask for your, for your forgiveness. I'm sorry for my sin. I turn away from it. And Jesus, I will follow you. Be my Lord and Savior. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that you become a part of the family of God.